Turn with me, please, to Proverbs 4 and 2 Corinthians 4. Proverbs 4 and 2 Corinthians 4. We've been talking, speaking about the spiritual man. And I think I'm just about through with this series. We may finish it up tonight. Because uh, I think I'm kind of being stirred about some other things, which way to go after this. I won't tell you yet. But uh, we've been talking about how that the Lord wants us to be spiritual and not carnal. He wants us to be spirit-led, not flesh-ruled. And uh, are you in Proverbs 4 yet? We've been talking these last two or three Friday nights about how to maintain a strong spirit. In Proverbs 4 and the 20th verse, he says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life. To those that find them and health are the margin says medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, out of your heart, are or flow the issues of life. The Amplified says keep your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it, out of your heart, flow the springs of life. The life that's in your flesh comes out of your spirit. When he says heart, he's not talking about your physical blood pump. You can't believe God with your physical heart any more than you could your physical kidney or your lung. Heart means the center, the core, like we say the heart of a watermelon, the heart of the oak or pine. Well, the heart of a human being is the spirit, the inner man. The second Corinthians we'll read here in just a minute. The fourth chapter talks about the inner man and the outer man. You are not just mind and body. You are a spirit. You have a mind. You live in a body. You're sitting there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. But you're on the inside. You understand? You're not just a mind, a brain. And a body, you're not just a mind and a body. You're a spirit. God, who is spirit, created us in his own likeness and image. And we're spirit beings. Amen? Amen. And we're going to live forever. If you lost your body tonight, you wouldn't stop existing. And you wouldn't stop being you. You'd just slip out of your body if your heart stopped beating tonight. You stopped breathing tonight. You'd just slip out of your body. You'd step out and you'd look at it and there it'd be laying on the floor or whatever. And you'd go, well, that's over. (laughs) And there'd probably be an angel there ready to escort you. And he'd say, are you ready to go? And you'd say, yeah. Amen. If you're saved, if you're born again. And then you'd go up. Amen. And you'd get to see Jesus. And you get to see your mansion he's been working on. Glory to God. No reason for a born again child of God to fear death or to fear dying. I mean, it's ignorance and it's unbelief to be afraid of dying. 
Now, of course, the body naturally recalls from death. I mean, your body will just naturally fight death because we weren't originally created to die. Did you know that Adam and Eve weren't created to die? It's only because of sin that came in. Do you understand death is an enemy? I kind of cringe when you hear people. I've heard preachers say, well, you know, the Lord took their child in death because he knew best. No, no. uh -uh. Death is an enemy. Do you know that? Well, some people don't know it. Go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Hold your place there. Death is not a friend. Death is a destroyer, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Now, the reason I take time to turn to these things, because sometimes if you just quote it or say it, people still didn't get it. Uh, you look at it in your Bible. See, you know, this is not just what Brother Keith said. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. 15, 24, 1 Corinthians. He said, then comes the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he, talking about Jesus, he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. Death is not a blessing of God. I've even heard people say, well, you know, we all get healed. Some, a few will get healed in this life, but some get healed through death. No, you don't get healed through death. Through death you die. You're dead, not healed. Talking about the body. No, death is not God's blessing. <laughs> Somebody said, why are you taking time with this? Because some folk think wrong about this. You know, this misconception and wrong believing is why some people won't go to church anymore I know more than one situation more than one person who had uh, you know a brother or sister or young person die in their family through some tragic accident or through some disease and they're at their home I'm thinking of one right now I went by to see them and uh, they're at their home crying their eyes out you know I mean a 10 year old dead and uh, some maybe well-meaning but misinformed and wrong-believing preacher came in and said, well, God took them and he needed another angel in the choir. And he, well, that's not in the Bible. That's ignorance trying to explain things. Did you hear me? And I'm not knocking anybody, but this young man, when he heard that, I saw him, he looked at that preacher, and such a hardness came over him, and he looked like he was ready to curse God. And he basically said he didn't want to have anything to do with God. God steal his baby brother like that. He got up and stomped out. And to this day, I don't guess he's going to church. I don't guess that, that was 25 years ago. I don't think he's darkened the church door since then. Well, God did not steal his baby brother at 10 years of age. No, he didn't. And sometimes people say, well, God, you know, he put this disease on us to teach us something. Well, God, you know, he sent this tornado to blow our house down. No, he didn't. There's a killer on the loose. And it's not God. Huh? 
Jesus said, John 10.10, the thief comes, not except for to steal and to kill and destroy, but I, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And Hosea says, my people, even God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. When you believe all this stuff and you're open to it, well, then you yield to fear and you're not living in the will of God. Well, the enemy is able to come in and do things and to steal and to kill and destroy. But it wasn't God's fault. He didn't do it. And it wasn't his will. And it didn't please him. God is our protector. He's our healer. Amen. He's our prosperity. He's our provider. Always stay on God's side. And when you see tragedies and when you see destruction and when you see, you know, this, like I'm talking about a 10 year old taken and that kind of thing taken out of life before they had a chance to live their full life. Don't try to imply that God had some purpose in that. Did you hear me? No. The enemy was able to destroy and to steal. We don't always know all the details in other people's lives, why the enemy was able to get in. But you understand this, it was not God's perfect will. Now, I know that a lot of people don't believe that. But I want you to understand God is a good God. He's faithful. And death is not even of him. Did you hear me? It is, did you read this now? Did this say that death is God's enemy? Did it say that? Yeah. The only reason that death exists is because of sin. To say death is of God is to say sin is of God. The wages of sin is death. If man had never sinned, we would all be in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve would still be alive on the earth. And everybody since then. There would be no storms. The weather wouldn't be too hot, nor would it be too cold. Wouldn't even be any thorns. Wouldn't even be any briars to step on. Nobody would have ever had a headache or a stomach ache. There would never have been any deformities. Did you hear me? Wouldn't even be any weeds. Amen. That's how God created it. That's what his will is. Sin allowed the enemy in, and between sin and the devil, it's been messed up. Amen. And so you've got all this terrible stuff in the earth today, the curse and death. Oh, but soon and very soon. Amen. I said soon and very soon. The Bible teaches us the Lord's going to fix this thing, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be no more curse. And there's not going to be any more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more dying. How many believe it? Yeah, that's the will of God. He hasn't changed. It was his will. It will be his will. And it is his will. Can you say amen? Say it out loud. Death is the enemy of God. And it's my enemy. Now, I'm not saying that if you have enough faith that you're going to live down here forever in this physical body because of the curse, you are aging and you're not going to stay down here forever, but you can die 
if the Lord tears is coming, when you and God get good and ready for you to go. Amen. And you don't have to die from some accident or from some stinking disease. You can live out your full days. Be satisfied with long life. Amen. And then when you run your race, when you finished your course, you've done what you're supposed to do in the earth, you can be a praying one morning and the Lord say, okay, you can come on home now. Amen. And you say, well, thank you. Thank you. Let me tell my kids and grandkids and great grandkids bye and I'll be ready. Amen. I'm not just making this up. Have you, we've read about people in the scriptures who've done this. And call everybody in and bless them and prophesy over them and amen and say, well, I'll see you soon and breathe your last, slip out of your body, go home to be with Jesus. That is the death of the righteous. That's what one scripture says. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. Amen. Amen. And I don't know how come me to get off on that so strong, but we did. Where are you now? 1 Corinthians 15, go back please to Proverbs. Well, I tell you what, no, excuse me. For time's sake, just go to the other place you're holding, 2 Corinthians 4. You were close to that. 2 Corinthians 4. Now, if you didn't agree with what I just said, I'm not mad at you. Don't be mad at me. But don't make it an issue between you and me. Get in the Bible. Hmm? Disprove me from the scripture. <laughs> I'm serious. Amen. Don't, don't say, well, I don't agree with that preacher. It ain't about me and you. Well, I can believe whatever I want to. I got a right to my beliefs and you. No, we don't. We got a right to believe the Bible. Amen. So no, get in the book. Are you there in second Corinthians, the fourth chapter? 2 Corinthians 4. I need that amplified again, please. 2 Corinthians 4. And let's read verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, Therefore we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. There's an outer man, there's an inner man. The outer man's growing older, really wearing out. But the inner man, I don't care if you were born again 40 years ago, you're not aging on the inside. Hmm? You know, I've heard a few people talk about a, uh, that they went to heaven and saw people. And that is not bizarre and far-fetched. Paul in Second Corinthians says he was caught up to the third heaven. And there have been cases of people that have gone and come back. And uh, now, you know, there are some stories I wonder about. <laughs> and anything I hear, I check it with the book. I'm trying to think always with the book. But now my, uh, my grandmother, who half raised me, and uh, was one of the first and one of the strongest to this day influences in my life for God, said she was caught up to heaven. Now she's been in heaven for several years now. 
But she was a wonderful woman of God and still is. And uh, my parents both worked when I was real small, an infant and a toddler and a child. And so we stayed a lot of times with my grandparents till they got off work and we'd meet the school bus at their house. Wonderful knowing your grandparents like that. And before I was old enough to go to school or anything, I have memories like this. She, My great-granddad gave the land for the first Pentecostal church to be built in our area. And she was secretary and treasurer there for, I think, 50 years. And when I was a little boy, I remember her holding me in her arms. And they had a huge pear tree. I mean, a gigantic pear tree out in the back of their house. And in season, that thing would be loaded down with these great big, and ain't nothing like a tree sun-ripened pear or peach and uh, or tomato or anything. I don't know what I'm talking about. This stuff you get in the box nowadays, it ain't even close to the real thing, you know. You wonder where they grew that at. But, uh, I mean, I'm a little bitty guy, you know, not really hardly walking. And then just taking a few steps beyond that. And I can remember having pear juice all over me. <laughs> and I'm working on a pear, man. And she said, oh, that pear is sweet and good, isn't it, baby? And I said, mm-hmm. She said, God made this pear tree. God made these pears. And he's sweeter than these pears. I thought, wow. God must be sweet because these pears are okie doke. I remember, you know, just being walking good. And my granddad had Hereford cattle. And he had a great, you know, big Hereford bull that he named Tom. And he, you know how those Hereford bulls, man, their heads are gigantic and big curly head. And he was a pet. They raised him from a little calf and he was huge, but he thought he was still a calf, I guess. And he'd come up behind you because he thought you had some food and nudge you like that and send you about 20 feet of winding because he was just so big and so strong. Well, he, uh, my grandma took me down there to the barn to see him and I had my hand up on his great big massive curly head you know of course he looked like a monster to me a little little child and she said look how big Tom is look how strong he is I thought man he's big as a house she said God made Tom she said God is bigger and stronger than Tom I thought how in the world could anything be bigger and strong but I'm that's the kind of woman she was and he is. And she said, she used to tell me this as a teenager. She said that her mother-in-law, who was a godly woman, actually told her family when she was going to die. They lived out on the farm. She'd get up early every morning, go milk the cows and go pick up the eggs. And they're on the farm. And, and uh, I don't know, she wasn't that old. I think she was about 70. She wasn't that old. But she came in, told him she's in pretty good health. And she said, uh, her name was Monetti. She said, Monetti's going to go home a uh, day after tomorrow in the morning. Well, they thought, Monetti's losing her mind. What do you mean? She's already home. <laughs> and sure enough, she got up early that morning to go milk the cows, had her milk pail in her hand, stepped off the step to go milk the cows, fell dead. Just left her body. Now that's the way to go. 
no five IV tubes and pain and just step out of your body and go home. Well, so they, I think they had like 12 kids and, you know, all of them were grown and some of the kids in particular were really having a tough time with it. And like three weeks after the funeral, some of them, in fact, uh, my grandfather, her son, he was having, my grandfather was having a tough time about his mother going like that, unexpected to him. She told him, I don't know why they didn't believe her. And uh, my grandmother said she was praying about it one night. And when she laid down on the bed, she just pray, She was a praying woman, godly woman. In fact, she used to have visions about things that would happen in the community. And she had so much of this till people called her a witch. And she was really persecuted about it because nobody had heard of some of those things in her community at that time. As a young woman I'm talking about, she was. And uh, I saw, though, by the time I was a teenager, I saw grown men come and kneel down at her rocking chair and ask her to forgive them because what she had saw came to pass exactly the way that the Lord showed her and they had to come and repent. But she endured some persecution because of that. And um, she said she was praying and she laid down on her bed to go to sleep and all at once left her body and went up. And said next thing she knows she's on this beautiful ornate staircase that was winding up. And she climbed the staircase and she knew, she said she didn't know how she knew, but she knew the city was over the rise. And she came up and standing at the top of the staircase was Monetti in a beautiful floor length purple uh, gown and said she looked like she was about 20 years old. Now that's the reason I told you all this is because in your spirit, you're not aging. And it doesn't make any difference what age you get to physically. That doesn't mean your spirit aged that way hmm this ought to be encouraging she said she looked at her and she knew it was her but I don't think she even had seen her when she was that age and she said she was just radiant just glow just the very picture of youth and strength and vibrancy and she's in this beautiful she said, I mean, she's telling me 20 years later about this purple gown. It must have been something. And she said she was standing there and she said uh, she talked to her about her children and their grief. She said to tell the children where mother's at. Tell them there's no reason for them to be grieving. Tell them what you see. Tell them my condition. Tell them they have more stock in heaven since mother's here now. They'll see me. And then she looked at her. She said, uh, has Quinnan? Quinnan was my granddaddy. And he was a rough and rowdy guy. My grandmother, as holy as she was, he was about that unholy and ungodly. Oh, he was a rascal. <laughs> and she's, his name was Quinnan. She said, has Quinnan changed his way of living since mother's come to heaven? She said, no, Miss Nettie, <laughs> I'll have to say no. She said, will you tell him if he wants to see mother, he's going to have to change. And she said, about that time, she came back in her body. 
And so she called them all and sat them down, told them what she saw, what she heard. And it took my granddad another uh, 30-something years. (laughs) But he finally did come to the Lord. Now he's gone home too. But I said all that to say this, there is an inner man. And there is an outer man. And this body is not what you are. It's the house you live in. And even though you were born again years ago, you haven't aged a day. On the inside, and on the inside, the real you, there are no gray hairs. There are no wrinkles. No age. Amen. And one of these days, this body is going to be changed to match it. Praise God. Everybody say inner man and outer man. Now we've been talking about the spirit of man, being a spiritual man, how to build up your spirit, how to make it strong. We said from 1 Timothy 4 that if you'll be nourished up in the words of faith, if you exercise yourself unto godliness, if you rest in him, the same principles that apply to physical development, you'll develop spiritually. You need to eat. You need to exercise. You need to rest spiritually. And the Lord had ministered to me after some years of teaching that, that I could do that and still be weak. And it puzzled me. I thought, no, surely not. And eventually, like we began talking about, he showed me, uh, filling the bathtub one night, uh, that the water was running in. But I turned around several minutes and it still wasn't full because I had not plugged up the drain and the water was running out as fast as it was running in and the tub's never going to fill up like that. And he helped me to, he was dealing with me that there are things that are drains in people's lives. And even though you've got, you're getting fed good spiritually, you're exercising yourself, you're even, you're, you have a prayer life and you're walking by faith. You can be building yourself up, but there are things that will be draining you as quickly as you're being built up if you don't stop them. So let me review a little bit. We said that one of the number one drains, one of the things that will drain you the most and drain you the quickest is fear and fretting or worry or anxiety. I mean, you can have a wonderful time in a church service. You can have a wonderful time with your Bible and in prayer. Get so built up, feel like you're strong and flying. And come in and hear a bad report. And sit down in your chair and yield to fear. And get to thinking about what might happen. And worry about that for an hour or two. It's just like somebody pulling the plug. Strength will just begin to run out of you. Fear will make you weak. Worry will make you weak. Most people have been trained to worry. Their parents worried and their grandparents worried. And they were taught to worry as a child. Taught if you didn't worry, you don't care. So we need major mind renewal in these areas. Everybody said out loud, I don't fear. And I don't worry. Secondly, we said, what will drain you and make you weak spiritually? Fussing and fighting. It'll drain you. It'll make you weak. Then thirdly, what did we say would make you weak spiritually? Fakery. Putting on a front. Telling lies. Being phony. Everybody say no phony. 
Be hear people say sometimes, well, man, I'd be so glad when I can get home and just let down my hair and be myself. <laughs> well, what's making you tired? What's wearing you out? Is you trying to act like uh, something that you're not. Right? Trying to put on a front. That will wear you out. Trying to play big shot. Huh? Will wear you out. Trying to act like you know more than you do. Trying to act super spiritual. Like you got all the answers. Hmm? (laughs) I had uh, all us instructors at the Bible school used to go out to lunch together. And we had a, uh, uh, actually Brother Jim Andrews, who was down in uh, Lima, Peru. Which we've been down there with him a couple of times. And and he was there teaching for a few weeks in the Bible school. And we all went to lunch and we were just getting to know him. We're all riding in the car. And some come up about answering questions and hard spiritual questions. And he said, I can answer any question. Any question at all. I can answer any question. <laughs> well, it got real quiet in the car. <laughs> These are all Bible teachers. The car is full of some of them scholars, you know. And uh, he said, often my answer is, I don't know. <laughs> but I can answer any question. <laughs> and that is often the answer no fakery it'll wear you out then finally we said fourthly here and I think finally tonight is uh, fleshiness and foolishness will wear you out and make you tired now we're not supposed to be tired all the time have you got that now get that settled in your spirit Don't put up with you being tired all the time. It's not right. If you're tired all the time, you're doing something wrong. I didn't even get one amen on that. (laughs) I said, if you're tired, do you understand? We live in a world full of tired people. The two key words of this generation is busy and tired. Everybody's so busy, so busy, 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 and then they're tired. Oh, just so tired. I would, but I'm just tired. Hmm? You're not supposed to be too busy. And you're not supposed to be tired. You know, back in the earlier part of our ministry, there were several things beginning to be added to us. And at one time, in a time of prayer, I thought, Lord, it just seems like I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do here. What's going on? Help me out. And this is how he helped me out. He said, son, if you don't have enough time to do what I'm telling you to do, you are wasting time. And it took me a little while to see that, but it's absolutely the truth. The reason why people don't have enough time is because they have a lot of unnecessary stuff that they're doing. They have a lot of projects and a lot of involvements and a lot of things that the Lord never told them to do. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's a needy thing, but the Lord never dealt with them to do it. And so you can get your life too full and you can actually become addicted to busyness and can't sit still can't be quiet gotta have something going on think you're not doing anything if you don't have two cell phones up against your head and reading email and watching the fax machine while you're driving down the road (laughs) our generation takes pride 
And what they call multitasking. Hmm? They pride themselves in their ability to do all these things at once. Uh, not realizing so many times how much they're missing it. And not realizing how prideful that can be. You know, I'm a pilot. And just here in a few weeks, I'm going to go back for a few days of training. We do this all the time. And, uh, you know, you go over the same things. Every time you go back, you go over the same basics. It's like the ABCs. And it's not, you don't have to come up with something new because uh, you can read the reports. Last year, there were several people that died from not doing the basics. For one, one of the airplanes I had a few years ago, several people had died because a door came open. And there was no reason to die. And they teach you in the training, this particular airplane, I don't know, it's amazing how you can have a expensive airplane and a cheap little latch on it. But this little latch, for some reason, it didn't do very good. And this plane wasn't pressurized. And sometimes... Uh, that door would pop open. Well, when it popped open, the wind would catch it and it'll pull it open. Now it's not, it won't keep the airplane from flying. The airplane will just fly fine with that door open. But a wind will rush in that cockpit and it'll swirl around in there and all your papers will fly everywhere and you feel like you're in a tornado. But ain't nothing wrong with the airplane. The airplane will fly like that all day and all night. Unless you quit flying it. Did you hear me? And uh, there were, actually it happened to me. One day I took off and I knew the combination on the door. You had to put it all the way open and pull it all the way to and twist it all at once. And feel, you could feel that certain little click. I knew it. It was my plane. I knew it. Well, the guy got in that side and he shut it and he's supposed to know. And I asked him and I asked him twice. Yeah, but really he didn't. So the, and the time it pop open is a bad time right when you're taking off. You're doing 110 miles an hour and you're pulled back on the yoke and you're just about 500 feet off the ground and pow. Well, at this point, you're trained, do nothing except fly that airplane. Don't even look at that door. Fly that airplane until you get 3,000 feet above or something, and then you can level out, make sure you're high enough, you're not going to hit anything. Now, don't even try to mess with it. Just go back and land and shut your door. <laughs> this time. Well, I did. He hollered about the door and I said, forget the door. And I flew that airplane. So I'd read too many reports. Straight. Keep those wings level. Keep it straight. Keep her climbing. And it wasn't a deal. Wasn't a deal. But I read a month later, a man died. Because that thing popped and he reached over there to get it. When he did, he turned his yoke. Wing hit the ground. That was it. Now, why am I saying that? Do you remember? Huh? See, why would people do that? They think, well, I'm good. I can fly and shut the door at the same time. I'm a multitasker. I can drive and talk on the cell phone at five o'clock traffic because I'm good. 
and I can reach down and I can do this. See, people get in trouble and are even dead because they overestimate their abilities and they spread themselves too thin. Hmm? I mean, they burn those words into you as a pilot. Fly the airplane. Fly the airplane. I went training on the jet. I was flying with a guy that had 3,000 more hours than I did. I mean, he had a lot more time than I did. He'd flown corporately. But I had, I guess I had studied my book a little better. We took off in this jet in a simulator and they caught the right engine on fire. And in that sim, you think you're in the real thing. And he said, the engine's on fire. The engine's on fire. I said, forget it. Forget it. Read that checklist. He looked at me. I said, do what I said. Read the checklist. We're, we're going. And, you know, later on, he wanted to make an issue, but he told the instructor. He said, why'd he do that? You know, he, I tried to do something. He said, he did right. Leave him alone. If the motor burns up and falls off the airplane, it's just less weight to carry. But when you're low and close to the ground, there's no time to be thinking I can do all this stuff at once. Just do the one thing. Fly the airplane. Well, now the reason I'm saying all this, we read last week about how Martha, Martha, you remember? Had all these plates twirling. And was just, is that right? I mean, she had stuff in the oven. She had it on the stove and she had the, the rolls arising and man, she had stuff happening. And it bothered her that Mary just sat in there and did one thing. Sat there and heard the word. It bugged her so much that she came and interrupted Jesus teaching and said, you tell her, get her lazy self in here and help me with this big meal. And he said, Martha, Martha, you are full of care and you're troubled about many things. Did you hear that? About what? Many things. things. Are you listening with your spirit this evening now? Do not get caught up in this uh, internet surfing, multitasking, high-tech pride society. Not even one amen. Do not get caught up in it and think that this means you are bearing fruit. Because you've got so much going. What you want to see, if you become wise, you will see how much of this you can eliminate. Did you hear me? We live, Daniel prophesied it, that information would increase. And people would go to and fro. Well, travel has become where you can do it globally. And information, there's even a term now, info glut. And you can log on to look up something on the internet and it tells you there's 10 million hits. Are you going to sit there and go through all those? What about 10,000? You hear what I'm talking about now? Now, instead of three channels, we got how many? 100, 200. You know what I'm saying? Well, that can take up all of your time. I said that can take up all of your time. And you and I, the Bible says our life is like a vapor. It's like a puff. Poof. That was your life. It is so Amazingly short and brief. 
And you and I need a realization, like the scripture said, that we need to be redeeming of the time. There is a whole lot of stuff we do not have time to fool with. It might not be sinful in and of itself. It might not be just a bad thing, but it's a time consumer. It's robbing us of our thought time and our patience and what it'll do. You get a bunch of this stuff in your life, it'll keep you tired. It'll keep you weary. Beware the computer. Beware games. Beware TV and videos. DVDs. Did you hear me? Some of it might not be in and of itself a sin, but when it takes all your spare time, it's eating up time you could have been reading your chapter. It's eating up time you could have been praying. It's eating up time you could have been taking a nap. Remember them? I said, you remember them? I'm somebody said, nap, I'm grown. Hey, I take naps regularly. And I learned it from the best. Traveled with Dr. Hagen for years. He said the Lord told him when he was in a meeting. To not waste all his strength to get in there in the afternoon and get quiet. And take a little short nap and refresh himself and get ready. We did that for years. Every time we're out there. I mean, that was your, you go to the morning service, you go eat lunch, and you go take a nap. Somebody said, wish I could do that. You can. I said, you can. At the right time and right place. Check your life. Yeah, but I got too much to do. Are you sure you have to do all that? Are you sure the Lord told you to do all that? I did today. Got in. I took. It wasn't a 15 minute nap. Wasn't 10 minutes, I don't think. But it helped me. Got my mind quiet. And it refreshed me a little bit. Amen. And things like this. Eliminating. Everybody say eliminating. Eliminating. The drains. Taking away. Things that are unprofitable. Vain. Wearing. See. Go to Ecclesiastes. I got to wind up here, man. We read. I'm trying to close. So we read from Psalm 127. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so. John says, the spirit quickens, but the flesh profits nothing. We're going to Ecclesiastes 10. The labor in the flesh that the Lord didn't direct you to do just makes you tired. And it's a waste of your precious days here on the earth. In Ecclesiastes and the 10th chapter. Ecclesiastes 10, are you there? And verse 15, he said, the labor of the foolish wearies every one of them because he knows not how to go to the city. Another translation says, a fool's work wearies him. He does not know the way to town. (laughs) Is your work wearying you? The thing that just wears you out, examine it closely. Look at it. Are you supposed to be doing it? 
Because the thing that is of the Lord, you'll have grace to do. Amen. You'll be graced to do it. It's his plan. It's his high idea. He's the one told you to do it. Now, sure, you're still in the body and your body can get tired. But even at the end, doing the will of God, it's a good kind of tired. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, we've been tired before, flying over several time zones and sleeping in strange beds and eating strange food and and working early and late. But even then, you lay down at night, and if you know you did what you were supposed to do, there's grace. It's a good kind of tired. But the thing that you're doing that just wears you and wears you, and there is no quickening, and there is no grace Look at that thing. Are you supposed to be doing it? As many times people say, well, I got no choice. Are you sure? Well, I have to. I got to do it to make money. Are you sure? God's your source. Hmm? He may be wanting to give you something better and you hadn't been willing to even, you know, look at it. Hadn't been willing to turn loose of it. Holding on to that security blanket. You know, and I'm seeing it clearer and clearer. If you be willing and obedient, then you'll eat the good of the land. You having God's wealth and God's prosperity and God's promotion for your life is so connected to obeying Him and doing His will for your life. And it takes faith. You know, it took faith for Phyllis and I to leave our little jobs back in Mississippi. Looking back now, we weren't making anything. We were so broke, it was pitiful. But that was all we knew. And I got a check every week. Wasn't much of a check, but we lived in our little 1969 mobile home. And I had my little pickup and my dog and we thought that was it, man. And the Lord's dealing with us to turn loose of that and go to what? We didn't know what. How are we going to live? Oh, I'm so glad I turned loose of that little trailer. <laughs> I'm so glad I turned loose of that little junky car. Hmm? But to me, I mean, it took a step of faith. And as you know, just... Not too much over a year ago, we turned loose of everything again and took a step up here. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. We talk, Phyllis and I talking about it. We hadn't had a salary out of this church the whole time we've been here. And man, I'm doing good. Amen. Amen. Not even getting a salary out of the church. Just got two pinball machines. (laughs) Yeah. We're living in a nice house. Very nice. Not one penny out of the church has gone to that house. Not a penny. Hallelujah. Driving a good car. Wearing good clothes. Eating good. Amen. I'm so glad I turned loose of that little rusty pickup. (laughs) I'm so glad. Amen. But you have to turn loose to go up. You have to not be afraid. Now I haven't digressed. So many times people, they just keep taking on more work and more work and they got four jobs. And they think that's all I'm going to do. It has to all come in through my work. No, it does not. 
I said, no, it does not. You believe, you sow, and you reap. Amen? You do not. Do you know you can work hard all your life and have nothing? There's a lot of people work their self to poor health and still are broke and poor. It's not all about that. Be willing to cut out that which is flesh and vain and just wearing you out and taking away your family time. And, you know, did the Lord tell you to do that? If he did, there's going to be grace. Now, back up there. He said, the work of the fool wearies him. Back up to verse 10. Now, I think I'm done. Yeah, one more thing. This is something we'll stand up and act on. Ecclesiastes 10, 10, 10, 10. If the iron is blunt, he's talking about an axe, and he do not whet the edge or sharpen it, then he must put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. The Lord Gave me a a message for some individuals a while back. And this is what it was. You're going to work less. And it's going to be easier. And you're going to make a lot more money. And you know it's happening just like that. God's doing that for them. A lot less work. And a lot more money. How many believe God could do that? Could he do it for you? Would you take some of that? See, cutting down a tree with a dull axe takes a lot of work. Swinging that thing and hitting it. But see, the thing is, when you're busy, so busy, you're too busy to sharpen the axe. And if other folks run into the woods, you got to run too and can't let them beat you. So you grab your axe and you take off and you run to the woods. And you're hitting that tree, boom, and you hit it there, boom, and you hit it up there, and the barks are flying, and you got sap on your face. But man, the sweat's flying and the bark's flying. You're a mover and a shaker. With a dull axe, and the tree is standing. The wise man, the wise woman won't be in such a rush. They'll go over and take their axe and sit on a stump. Hmm? Get that file out. And they're sharpening that axe. Praying in tongues. Hmm? Lord, where do I chop today? Yeah, but everybody's getting ahead of me. Don't you worry about everybody else. You wait on God. Be still and know that He's God. Turn it over on the other side. Sharpen that edge. Sharpen that edge. Sharpen. I mean, you may be out there and everybody thinks, well, He's wasting time. Look at Him. Been out there for an hour. No, you're not. And then the Lord says, that tree right over there, that one with that knot up there, right there. Yes, sir, I see it. Now you take that sharp axe and you go up. You say, all right, Lord, where do I hit it? Where do I hit it? See right there? About an inch above that knot down on the bottom. Right there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you put it right there. Sharp axe. Same place. Same place. Same place. Same place. And within just a small amount of time, your tree's down. And other folk are still throwing bark and sweat and sap with a dull axe. It is possible to move slower and get much more done. It is possible to wait on God 
and be quieter and do less and bear much more fruit. Be involved in fewer projects. But the ones you are involved in are successful. Very successful. Can you spread yourself too thin? Can you take on too many jobs? Get involved in too many clubs? Huh? Too many things. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I've had people look at me before. I actually had people get aggravated. They said, wanted me to come. Well, fly with us over here and do this meeting, Brother Keith. Well, come over here. Like I told you, man, I got a scad of invitations even for this year. And I had a friend of mine one time. And he said, well, why won't you come? And I said, well, because the Lord hadn't dealt with me to come. He said, yeah, but it's going to be a great meeting. And we'll take care of all your expenses. And we'll pay you real good. And I said, that's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, you don't like us? I like you just fine. People want to take it personal. Why don't you come to us? Will the Lord tell you not to come? No, he didn't tell me don't come. But that's not enough. I need to hear from him to go. Are you with me? And then when I know I've got direction, then I know he's going to provide for it. I know he's going to give me the anointing for it. I know he's going to grace me. Do you see what I'm talking about? And then I'm not coming in here tired all the time. Stand up and shake yourself. <laughs> Pick your Bible up. We're going to pray something. Turn to Ephesians, the third chapter. Thank you for bearing with me. I went a little long tonight. But man, you, we covered a lot of ground. Heaven stories and pear stories and bull stories and airplane stories. <laughs> Cutting trees down. Ephesians 3, are you there? Let's pray this prayer for ourselves because it specifically deals with this area. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer for wisdom. Wisdom is profitable to direct. We're going to ask the Lord to show us everything we're involved in that we ought not be involved in. Amen. And we're going to believe him and let him guide us in simplifying our lives. So that we're not tired all the time. We're refreshed. And we're strong. And we have our full faculties to give to the things we ought to be doing. So that we do them well and don't waste time on other stuff. Ephesians 3 in verse 14. 3.14 he says, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Let's pray that for ourselves right now. Sit out loud. Father God, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, I ask you to grant me According to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by your spirit in my inner man. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening me with great strength, mighty power by your spirit in my spirit. In my inner man, make me strong for yourself. 
strong to do your will. Enlighten my eyes. Grant me the wisdom and understanding that is profitable to direct my way and show me all that is wasted time, wasted effort, wasted energy, wasted resources. Reveal to me everything in my life that is just flesh, waste of my time, and give me the strength and the heart and the desire and the will to fix it, to change it, that I may be purged from all that wastes and all that hinders. Help me to lay aside every weight and every sin that would beset me and hinder me and help me to live in wisdom and grace walk in the spirit and do your perfect will in Jesus name lift your hands and thank him for answering that prayer Thank you, Lord. 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 Come on, praise Him a little bit. Thank Him. You're not going to be tired all the time. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to be strong. Thank you, Lord, for making me strong and keeping me strong. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm not going to waste all day and half days, hours upon hours for nothing. Oh, I'll be redeeming of the time. Redeeming of the time. Redeeming of the time. These days are precious. These hours are precious. Thank you for teaching us how to live them. How to put them to the best use. In Jesus' holy name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.